welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary World, a new show that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. This season, we'll be bringing you a range of chats recorded at the London Vet Show, featuring a wide range of friends and colleagues discussing their thoughts on some of the triumphs and tribulations encountered by those in the veterinary industry. Borborygmy is a collaboration between the London Vet Show, Vet Times, Vets Stay Go Diversify and Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you to everyone involved so far for your help and support. It's been very much appreciated. Today on Ball Break Me, I'm speaking with Fiona Andrew. Fiona has been a qualified vet nurse for almost 20 years and has spent much of her career looking at what it means to be a nurse in modern veterinary practice. Currently working as a business support manager for the Vet Partners Group, Fiona is also chair of the BBA Advisory Board. As a vet myself, I've worked alongside a number of brilliant nurses who've been intricately involved in every one of the medical and surgical cases that have come through the doors, but I've seen firsthand how their role can be overlooked by the owners themselves. We speak today about the relationship between vets, vet nurses and owners in practice, and also discuss Fiona's work as leader of an important new vet nurse task force, a joint BBA and BVNA initiative that looks at the development of veterinary nurses and how we as a profession can best recognise the role today and give due credit to what is an indispensable cog in the veterinary machine. I'm interested in this relationship between vets and nurses certainly when we were at vet school it was like the number one priority was to maintain good relationships with your nurses because they are golden and they are the key to a happy practice life and I wondered about your experience in when you're working clinical practice of times when that relationship's been good maybe times when it's been challenging and um yeah definitely there's been both um I was very fortunate probably to be my you know when I was brought up in practice if you like my first practice was quite a collaborative practice and um, it was around the time that uh, the practice was changing from non-qualified to qualified veterinary nursing and I think that probably helped that because there was that bit more of that professional recognition. Um, So I've been very fortunate in in my career to have always been appreciated and uh, my qualifications etc respected Um, but I know that's not, not always the case. Um, and practice cultures vary really, really dramatically. Um, and, yeah, sometimes it is still seen as, a, the nurses are seen as a subordinate role. Others, they see it as more of a, like, you know, a professional shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. It really depends on the practice of the cult- uh, practice culture. Yeah, and I think the relationship that your bosses foster as well and the example that they set, because certainly in practices where you see the bosses treating nurses like a supportive role rather than an integral part of the team certainly as a you know student and then going into clinical practice you realize how valuable great nurses are and how much they do and how much you're reliant on them to help you and you help them and it was very interesting in the um, when we were introducing the bn task force this morning and um, that robin hargreaves who's a member on our task force described um, a case that had gone fantastically well taking an animal from critically critically ill with a foreign body to um, bouncing out of the practice afterwards and he said you know how he, they felt that they got all the credit the vets got all the credit for the role um, and he said probably five percent of what actually saved the animal was was vet work the rest of it was the you know maintaining the animal post-surgery maintaining through anesthesia and um, realizing before the, before the animal crashed that it was about to crash you know the comfort the fluid therapy the analgesia these sorts of things 
Um, and that is sometimes, in cases, 95% of the work, yet the, it's always looked at the, the vets save the animal's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, I guess, filters through into the owner's consciousness as well. What's the relationship with the owner being like as a vet nurse? Um, I was very fortunate that I did quite a bit of consulting and so had some good face-to-face and then good relationships um, with, um, with owners but there had been some interesting things suggested recently around rather than talking about something, an animal being hospitalised, talking more about it being nursed and actually apportioning a cost to that animal being nursed rather than it being hospitalised yeah. so that we can start to change that view. Yeah. Because there is the, the view that one way that um, nurses can interact more with owners is around being a consulting nurse or a nurse practitioner, which is fabulous, but it's not a role for everybody. And it's not, uh, culturally, I don't think it's a role that nurses, when they, when they look at other nurses, they're not looking at practice nurse, practicing nurses at the moment that are consulting. So it's not necessarily the direction that they feel they're going in. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got to, the, through the back stuff that is done in veterinary practice, we've got to annotate that and annotate that to the client, what part the nurse played in that. Yeah, um, I think that was that was our one very strong suggestion that came through this morning. Yeah, um, in our yeah. session, and you know, to start speaking about nursing time, nurse, you know, maintenance of anaesthesia by a nurse. Yeah, um, yeah, so absolutely. That, so that clients get that idea, and also not feeling like you only fulfil that role if you're a pra- if, if you're a consulting nurse practitioner and if you have that face to face contact, because like you say, it doesn't suit everyone. Not everybody wants to do that, or they have different skill sets, or they just don't. That's not what they see there career is going in that direction and I've, I've found in practice before that some owners don't see the value that they bring in a hospital environment and the fact that they're the ones who are there 24-7 and checking and you know calling the vets if needs be but making a huge number of decisions before that point and yeah more and often than not they're the engine room of the practice mm. and sadly mm. with that analogy comes the fact that you know until something goes wrong people don't necessarily see um, that part of, of the ship, if you like, you know, because it it, it, it runs so well, um, but it's just assuming that that's all it, all in order, and I think that's that is one thing about the assumption that all those nurses obviously are on, on the register and qualified as well, which is is still sadly an, an issue. Yeah. In 2015, we had the the Royal Charter, and I think that should have been a, a real wake up call to the profession to start saying actually we're working towards nurses having to you know be being regulated professionals. And still having these people who do the a nursing role and and do tasks that should be nursing tasks who are unqualified and do think it's acceptable in 2019? Yeah, um, that we're yeah, still yeah. there. Yeah. So that is an and, issue. And can you just explain a bit about what the task force does, what they set out to do, and what you're doing, sort of? Okay, so the task force is brand new. We've literally done sort of soft launch at BVNE Congress and a soft launch today. Um, And the idea of the task force is there has been Vet Nurse Futures, which started off just when the Charter came out in 2015. It's a fabulous project with some some really good ambitions. That will um, come to conclusion. It was a five-year project, so that will come to conclusion in 2021. Um, And so the idea is to start looking to the next step. Where do we go next? Um, And some of the things that came out of that work were the BVA vet-led team work, and there are still some questions unanswered out of that. And two main things are, what is a veterinary nurse? We don't actually have a definition of, of what is a veterinary nurse. We do, human-centred nursing was defined 
probably in the 40s, 50s, um, and has been updated. The International Council of Nurses has updated that in the last last few years as well. But we don't have a, a sort of recognised definition of what nursing is. Um, therefore, what is it not? Um, so that's one of the first things that we want to look at is to define what veterinary nursing is and then look at the future path. So the whole idea of this one is rather than the Vet Nurse Futures and the Vet-led team initiatives, which very much looked at what we have now and how, how is it working, this is to, what's the next step? So if we could get rid of the Veterinary Surgeons Act and Schedule 3 and completely blue sky think it, what would, what would our legislative framework look like? And with the idea is we know legislative change won't be immediate, but when it does when it become available, we want to have our, our ducks in a row, if you like, so yeah. that we know exactly what direction we, we want to be in and what we'd like that to look like. Yeah. So that and what it. do you, what would you like it to look like? Or, a, or a, a snippet of what you would like to see for nurses going into the next... Well, as I say, I would certainly okay. like nursing to be defined. Yeah. I would like us to compare and contrast ourselves with human-centred nursing, but not blindly follow. Um, I think at the moment there is an inclination to go, oh, you know, human-centred nursing does that, but it's, the dynamic is completely different mm. in practice. And I think it would be very sh- um, great shame if we lost the, the unique part of, of that, which is the end-to-end care. Um, which obviously we don't have because we have a, an NHS. Um, more, more around probably that immediate end-to-end yeah. care. Um, I say I would like it defined, and and I'd like us to have an idea of a, a legislative framework that is um, allows us to develop rather than um, almost constrict. Mm. So at the moment, we, this morning we had a really good discussion around um, what nurses could do. But it, you could almost feel Schedule 3 pressing in on the room. Everybody's mind was still, oh, we, you know, I can go to this point. Well, why can't we go po- past mm. that point? And what sort of legislative framework would actually support that? Yeah. So we, we want to have a, a strong positioning statement on that by the end of the year's project. Thanks for listening. I'm Sophie Walsh, part-time vet and full-time science documentary maker. You may hear a little bit of me in these podcasts, or the lovely Naomi Meller, my co-host, also a vet and host of the brilliant podcast Smashing the Ceiling. We'd love you to rate and review this podcast, or tell a friend if you enjoyed it. Thank you again for listening.